Spotlight. Brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. Fast am I and welcome to Spotlight. I'm Sarah Hendy and on the programme today, bass trombonist for Russian silver band William King will be telling us about his upcoming musical trip to Scotland. And we speak to London gallery owners Corey and Anthony Fuller about an exciting collection of work they've brought to the Isle of Man. Our first guest today is bass trombone player for Russian Silver Band and award-winning young broadcaster William King, who recently received a rather prestigious accolade for his achievements. So congratulations, William. Thanks very much, Sarah. Yeah, so um, in the run-up to Christmas, I did a bit of an investigation. I launched a survey with people my age, that's sort of 16 and 17-year-olds on the island. I found out um, how many of them could name the chief minister, how many could name their MHKs, and I um, I found out some interesting figures. It was roughly um, 22% could name both of their MHKs. I think a third could name the chief minister. And then I went to the politicians and I put these figures to them. And I suggested that perhaps um, they might like to have a look at them in some detail and think about what they could do to improve. I asked them what was already going on for young people involved in politics on the island. And I asked them if they had any plans to launch some new stuff. Um, and yes, it seemed to go down well on the island. And then the Young Arias, some new awards for young people involved in radio and audio across the UK, gave me an award for it. So yeah, it was a, an exciting day. Yeah, Best factual programme, I believe. Th- that was it, yes, in fact. Yeah, yeah. Well, congratulations. It didn't seem fair to start without uh, without acknowledging that. So we're very proud of you and your well, success. Well, thanks very much. Don't forget to go to manxradio.com and have a listen. Absolutely. <laughs> Available as a downloadable podcast. Um, but From when... your preferred podcast <laughs> provider. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, when you're not um, investigating uh, the state of politics on the Isle of Man and people's engagement with it, you're a multi-talented kind of uh, scamp, aren't you? You've got... You've got a few strings to your bow, and brass bands is one of them. Well, thank you very much, Sarah. Yes, I'm a uh, a member of Russian Silver Band in the south of the island. Um, we're a, a community band, um, which doesn't tend to compete in the UK brass band championships and leagues. Um, but we we do our own community events in the south of the island, and Russian Silver Band this year is celebrating its 70th anniversary, it's worth saying. So it's a really great uh, group to be a part of, and it's uh, I've been a part of it from quite a young age. Uh, started learning the uh, tenor horn, I think it was there. Oh, those were a, f- a, f- a few years ago. Um, and then I went into the training band, Balafes and Brass, um, who play more basic music, but it's getting used to playing in an ensemble. And then um, you sort of get to a level and you get invited into the main band, meet on a Monday night, and... Um, yeah, and here I am today and I play the bass trombone in the band and I really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. You've actually been selected to go across to Scotland for, for a rather exciting sort of uh, band camp. Well, yes, you may say that. Uh, yeah, a group of us, um, myself, uh, James Kinley, who's also a trombonist, and Lucy Norbury on the cornet, are going over to the National Youth Brass Band of Scotland, um, which is taking place during the summer holidays. And as you said, yeah, it's sort of a camp. It's a week-long uh, workshop playing with some of the more advanced young brass musicians um, across Scotland and the wider UK, um, including its crown dependencies, of course. 
Um, we will be taking part in some banding there. The brass bands are conducted by the musical director Ian Porthouse and the director emeritus is Richard Evans, who comes over and visits the band quite frequently. Um, these are big names in brass banding, and it's um, it's really good to be getting out there and uh, sort of showing ourselves off and also the talent which is produced on the Isle of Man. It's a really great thing that we're all going to be going there and we're going to be making music together. Oh, what a lovely thought. <laughs> How long is it that you've been playing the, the bass trombone for? Oh, I don't know. Um, as I said, I sort of started as a on the tenor horn, but th- those were uh, that was a while back. And then... And it was in primary school when I started on the trombone and then I sort of gradually um, morphed into a bass trombonist. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's not been too long. I would say probably maybe 2015, 16, I would have started on the bass trombone. Wow. So you've done quite well to advance to a level where they've um, they've selected you to, to, to go across and, and take part in this, this workshop. Well, yes, yeah, so the skills are very similar on the, the trombone and the bass trombone. There's just a... It's just a larger instrument, really, with a few extra uh, things to fiddle with with your left hand. Yeah, I've done my grade eight recently. Um, yeah. Grade eight? Yes. Yeah. How do you find the time for all of this? I don't know. It's just no sleep, I think, is the only answer I can give for that. Yeah. Um, as many people who have an instrument or a hobby which they like to pursue will understand. I do have to say that we're grateful to the Alaman Arts Council and also the Friends of Russian Silver Band, Um who will be funding us and helping us with the travel and the cost of our trip to the National Youth Brass Band of Scotland, which is colloquially known as NIBS, N-Y-B-B-S. Um, so yes, we, we're grateful to them. The Friends of Russian Band do um, so much for the community um, that's sort of developed around Russian Silver Band. Of course, this being its 70th year with that name. They not only fund trips, but they also sometimes pay for instruments. Uh, for example, the bass trombone, which was bought for me to play, um, was funded by the friends of the band as well. So, yeah, it's brilliant what they do that can support the band and the musicians which it supports. Spotlight, brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. And we're now joined by father and daughter art dealers and gallery owners, Anthony and Corey Fuller, who have an exciting exhibition of work at the nunnery tomorrow, Corey, your art gallery is very much a family business and you've exhibited all over the world. What brings you to the Isle of Man? My father has had a long association with um, Peter Long at Capital International and they've been long-standing friends. Um, And over the last uh, couple of years, we've actually met some um, other uh, lovely people who live on the Isle of Man as well who've expressed an interest in our paintings and learning more and we thought it would be a super idea to... um, bring an exhibition here to showcase the finest uh, artists in the world. It's almost certainly works with the like the Isle of Man's never seen before. Um, tell us a bit about the pieces that you're going to be sharing with us while you're here. So we focus, we have different focuses within the gallery, but really um, we will be, we've bought a beautiful work by Picasso from 1925, um, a stunning landscape from um, that he painted when he was in Chouin Le Pin down in the south of France, and um, very happy and joyous uh, work, um, obviously um, full of bold lines and colours, which we'd love to share with with everybody here. And then moving onwards a little bit, we've bought some super post-impressionist artists by Gustave Loiseau, some lovely works um, by Moray, Henri Moray, and um, 
Barbier, André Barbier. So um, they're the sorts of works that you'll expect to see if you come to the nunnery um, over the next couple of days. And then what we've also done, which is another part of, um, a very important part of what we do is showcase our living artists, our contemporary artists, who paint in a very much classical style, um, but also um, using all of the art historical knowledge that they've gained and their own skill to create exquisite works um, alongside. So, so you'll see sort of modern masters in every sense. Mm-hmm. When you're travelling with work and you're looking for a space to exhibit, are there specific um, requirements of the space? We came six, eight months ago to do a reconnaissance mission to find the perfect place, really, and, and uh, dear Peter Long took us to 14 or 15 venues across the island, and there were many, actually, that were incredible um, art- artistic and cultural hubs here, which we were quite... It was really difficult to choose, actually, but uh, one of our last visits was to the nunnery um, where we met um, Mr Verbulen, and he... Um, Actually, the space was steeped in history. It had been sort of re- reborn, if you like. It had uh, a real energy to it. had lovely light that, that coming through the windows, beautiful gardens, and a real sense that actually what we were going to put on there would be, it would be a fitting place to do so. And we hoped lovely surroundings for people to visit as well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and it is. I mean, it's a gorgeous location. Um, how did you how did you select the the body of work that you've that you've brought with you this time? Um, it's a very diverse mix. Um, we bought some exquisite Victorian artists that my father um, obviously um, used to to deal with. We bought works that my grandfather and father f- artists that we found at the Paris Salon and really are still. Um, they were very very undiscovered then, and obviously they're much more well-known now, but they're, most of the artists that we have brought we have a specific relationship with over time. The gallery is 270 years old. So as a result of that, we have had the most a privilege to know these artists personally. And so we've brought the best examples by that particular artist, mm-hmm. um, albeit many of them lived happy and, and long lives, um, but obviously quite a number of them um, have passed away now. But they're... Many of them were presidents at the Paris Salon, like um, Alexandre Jacob or Georges Robin, won many, many awards um, uh, throughout their careers, illustrious careers. But really, um, France has such an incredible um, richness of talent, I suppose, and it was such a hub of cultural expression throughout the um, 20th century that really we were slightly sport for choice. But we bought the very best examples of the artists that we hold in the gallery and that we um, have brought to share with you. Oh, Traditional. Fantastic. A lot of the artists that we've dealt with, my father found before and after the last war, because he was in the business since 1928. Um, but our most famous association is with Van Gogh, because if you read his Lust for Life and look at all his letters, he and an earlier Gladwell visited each other in their respective houses and exchanged lots of prayers early morning in Montmartre but um, we we reckon that all of our works are relatively traditional you will always recognise what mm-hmm. is being portrayed by the artist mm-hmm. rather than some of these abstract things that mm-hmm. you have to be told what the title is before you can recognise <laughs> it <laughs> well, It's lovely that, um, that although it's a display of very traditional art um, it's it's well people will definitely arrive recognising some of the artists but discovering so many more. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It is a lovely 
it is a lovely journey to go on because when you haven't heard of an artist before, you're drawn to it um, often. Um, everyone has taste is an incredibly diverse um, ex expression, really. And so you might come along and just go away. Because we bought a, a, a real mix, you'll come away with something that we hope will inspire you. Um, it'll, you'll reflect on it and you'll catch a real sense that um, you've learnt something about our journey that we've been on as a company and mm -hmm. by following these artists and really also discover some some of our incredibly talented artists who are painting today that we are championing the works of and that we take all over the world and watch them develop and grow. It's important I feel to say that we are uh, very unusual as a gallery because we buy everything outright mm -hmm. rather than have everything on sale or return therefore we're already putting our money up front so taking the risk because of uh, 270 years of recognising good art, literally. How do you, do you think you can describe how that works? What what to you makes a good picture or a good piece of art? Do you I think? can explain very easily. <laughs> Thank goodness for that. <laughs> <laughs> we do not believe in all the hype, is the only word I can come up with, that nearly every gallery in the world uses. We always be low-key, very little advertising, if any. Um, but we had an artist walk through the front door about eight or ten years ago. Do you buy pictures? I said, we did. He took out four watercolours. I asked him how much he wanted, and I gave him the money. He was dumbfounded. We now sold, I think, about 150, 160 of his pictures. Um, we like our clients to look at a picture and like it for what it is, as opposed to because the artist has won gold medals here or he's in XYZ museums there. It's ever so simple. Um, unfortunately, today, art is now purchased for other reasons apart from the pleasure. And um, I think it's very important to uh, instill in our clients that that's the original reason for buying a picture, to enjoy it for however long, many years you own it. Mm -hmm. um. I imagine that when you're when you're working in this business, it must be very difficult to part with certain works. Are there any that you've held held on to, or that you wish you had? My wife can look at a house full of them. <laughs> That's true, actually. Oh, well, I'm glad to hear it. I, I think it'd just break my heart if I had to part with something that I'd fallen in love with. You know. I was in the Rijksmuseum recently because I'd attended an auction in Holland. I had 20 minutes to kill before getting the flight back. And um, I was in front of Vermeer's, the milkmaid, and after 10 minutes, a guard came up to me and said, you all right, sir? I said, yes, why? I was crying. That's what the picture does to me even now. So if our profession does that for you, you're a very lucky person. What, what is it about that picture that's so special to you? Well, being an art dealer, I'm supposed to know how he created it. It is so good that I don't understand how he did it. He portrayed light. I mean, obviously, it's a charming scene in the first place. But the way he put the light coming through the window on the left, everything changes its original colour. and He manages to capture it. It's incredible. <laughs> it's the finest picture for me in the world. Quite a statement. <laughs> Can't really follow that, can I? <laughs> oh, well, go ahead. I mean, I'm sure you've got lovely stories as well. Uh, I think um, creativity is an interesting um, topic. I think 
a lot of what we do as a gallery is um, present works that have passed all of our very stringent um, tests and that goes from provenance, condition, um, it goes to sort of subject matter. We look at, we look at different where that painting sits within an artist's life work, where its position is. Um, but things like, it's nice to come to a, an exhibition and know that the authenticity and the quality and the um, condition are all second to none. You don't actually have to, that, that bit's been done for you, which just allows you to enjoy the paintings. Um, I think there's also a very interesting sort of, in the, looking forward to the future, we're understanding more about people's um, understanding and how their brain works when they look at paintings and it's called neuroaesthetics but basically which part of your brain now is turned on and switched um, the activity that you get and actually you could be in the Sistine Chapel and look at a, uh, a particular angle of a hand you know grasping something and your brain will actually turn on that muscle just by standing there looking at it so um, different responses that you have emotional responses to paintings are influenced by so many different things that we're understanding. But for us, um, it purely comes down to um, the tradition and the history of the gallery. We, we're very passionate about what we do and um, we think that um, that comes through in our collection of pictures. Mm -hmm. um, we hope that that um, is the enduring sort of legacy that, that people are custodians of these works for a, um, just a their lifetime and then they can hand it on to their children or they can donate it to museums or it goes back in for somebody else to enjoy so it is really a very rewarding position that we're in. Yeah. I always liken um, the, the original question of quality. Shakespeare wrote the words 400 years ago. You will go to the act to the theatre to hear the actor that conveys those words to you, your internal workings. doesn't matter whether it's Olivier, who was one of the recognised as the greatest shit, or, not being rude, but Richard Bryars. But you won't spend money on going to the chat that says exactly the self-same words, in, but he's got his own unique mm. interpretation. And, and, and Mr. Listener will, will go to the person he, who convinces him the words are right. That's my interpretation of quality. <laughs> Do you think it's important that artists study the theory behind where that hand should be placed in the example that you gave me or what appeals to people, um, people's subconscious? Do you think that's a, an important part of studying art and becoming an artist? I think it's critical for young people who are talented, who have that creative gene, if you like, who have that passion, to go through a traditional process of academic rigor to learn how to draw. I don't think that, um, I don't think any of sort of everyone from Leonardo to Michelangelo, I don't think they were misguided in the time that they spent copying, drawing, that observation of life. Of, and I think that can't be a step that's missed out. Mm -hmm. um, some people obviously can achieve proficiency at a far greater a quicker rate if you're very talented than you don't but there's no shortcut to being a good artist in yeah. if you want to go down that traditional route um often artists see things differently um they see things often they don't look at objects they look at shapes and lines and i think that's a trait that i've seen in a lot of my artists that they have a different way of seeing um, which is very uncluttered, 
and that allows them to be able to put those forms down onto paper or to canvas. So it's quite a joy watching an artist because it's not a talent that um, we all have and it's not something, I mean, it takes a dedication, a lifetime's dedication to create, to get that good. It mm -hmm. just doesn't happen overnight. <laughs> but I hope as a gallery, if an artist comes to us, we are able to guide and advise and suggest and ultimately it's what's within them but we like to think we can help them along their way. Mm -hmm. um, and there is a, you know, within this world, if you want to succeed in the art world, it's very difficult and you have to be determined and you have to be dedicated. Mm -hmm. and, um, and accept criticism. Yes, you have to, it's, it's, it's hard when, it's hard when you, you know, an art, one of my artists was explaining the other day, he spent three days drawing one tiny corner of a painting that, you know, was a, an apple and then eventually he went home and said, you know, I'm happy with that apple or, you know, that lemon or whatever. You know, it's, it's, they can spend such a long time and it's quite a sort of self-absorbed world. They've got, and, and it's, we try and bring our artists into the gallery because it gives them so much um, to sort of collaborative, not just with us, but with other artists. Mm -hmm. And otherwise, yeah. um, we, we, that, I think that helps them because mm -hmm. they get to bounce ideas off one another yeah. and um, that can be helpful in its own right. What you've just said is interesting because it's also kind of a response to the argument that anyone could do abstract art, for example. Those marks could have been made by a three-year-old is something that I've heard thrown around many galleries that yeah. I've visited. Um, and I suppose, yeah, what you've just said perfectly sums up why it's important to learn the language of art so that every mark that you make is intentional and it's going to speak to people in a way that we can't even understand because it follows that it follows that structure. I think if, if I take one of my um, favourite artists, Picasso, and you look at he was a brilliant draftsman. Uh, you know, he he won awards at the age of seventeen when he was in Spain. And if you look at some of his early works um, that are actually in Barcelona now in the museum, there you are blown away at seventeen that someone could create that. What he then chose to do was very much um, modern, you know, the birth of modernism, if you like, and it allowed him to express himself and the way he saw the world through his canvases and through his much more, whether it be Cubism and the different forms of Cubism or whether later in his life, um, you know, his slightly tortured heart and his, uh, uh, th through the, his muses, he could express himself. And it was a journey of... of um, social conscience as well as um, romantic liaisons really with Picasso but I think you see so many different styles he reinvents himself a lot like a lot of different artists like Leger, um, Braque, um, Gris. there's a real body of artists of that time who were bold and fearless and who really did allow us to enjoy um, all the changes that were happening in the 20th century. Wow. Picasso could do almost the perfect line freehand. Wow. I really mean that. Yeah, he, he, he actually is well known for being able to start a horse at any point and it still look absolutely perfect by the time he'd finish it, just with one line. Yeah. That's quite incredible. What you're sharing with us is, is work from two really quite different genres, really, isn't it? Um, does that come down to your, your personal um, interests? Is that what, what makes it such a so diverse in that way. I tried to analyse why I enjoyed fine art but I was brought up with fine pictures beside the cot and I mean that sincerely. I didn't know they were fine at the time 
But of course, my parents were teaching me mm-hmm. subconsciously. And what was the famous one? Mary Tarrant's, Margaret Tarrant's picture of Peter Pan's statue in Kensington Gardens with a boy and a girl looking up at the imaginary ring of fairies. And the animals all the way around the statue. My parents would talk to me to go to sleep, but point out, and I'm subconsciously absorbing it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's probably what we did with Glenn and Corey, because they had fine pictures around them from the day they were born, though they didn't know it at the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And actually, when Dad and my father used to come back from Paris, we used to sit at the bottom of the stairs and have a almost like you know the National Gallery before us of still lives and landscapes and we were to choose our favourite Dad had bought them all for the gallery but it was we had to say why we like something we had to and it was all a very subtle artistic education <laughs> steering Never. but um, I think <laughs> your face. different um, different tastes of styles of art that we've bought <clears throat> will appeal to different people without a question but also I think whether you're starting a collection of paintings or whether you have a, you're an established um, collector, it's nice to find different um, styles, different price, what your taste develops over time. Mm-hmm. So um, there's definitely no um, right or wrong. It's just... If you, you, you can enjoy. like what you like. We can't tell you what to like, but we can tell you it's good. Mm-hmm. And that's ever so important, isn't it? As I said earlier, we're 270 years old mm-hmm. as a gallery. And we, we actually may be older, but um, we found an etching the other day that was, or a steel plate engraving, which was two years older than the College of Heralds had resor- researched us to. So we're asking them to go back and research more now. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it's got that 270 years experience in in what we offer, basically. That's what it is. Yeah. And we can't, there's no short, sh- shortcut to to uh, as I say we can tell you what to what what's good we can't tell you what to like yeah. we're um absolutely delighted to be here um we um love the island dad's been here many times um we love the people here they make us feel thoroughly welcome so that's another reason why we want to come here because it's full of lovely people <laughs> and that exhibition is for one day only so make sure you head to the nunnery between 3 and 8 p.m. tomorrow afternoon to see this exciting work and speak to Corey and Anthony in person. That's all we have time for this week, but I'll be back next Wednesday at half past five with Spotlight, so do join me then. Have a lovely creative week. Slend you. Slend you.